you really have to be an advocate for yourself. And you mentioned this before, you have to be an advocate for yourself because the system is not designed to get to the root of the problem. Hello, and welcome back to Thrive with Sharon podcast. I am Sharon Land, and I'm your host. I am also a metaphysician, a holistic psychotherapist in the state of New Jersey, and an internationally recognized healer. And I am still on my mission to bring as many people in front of us in our audience and community that can help us to understand all of the different ways that we can actually optimize our health and be well. And today I'm really excited because through his wife, actually, uh, we were connected and um, Dr. Doug Lucas uh, is with us today on the podcast. And just a real quick introduction to Dr. Doug is he's actually a board certified orthopedic surgeon and he left the traditional medical model to build a practice for health optimization, which when Ashley told me about that, I was like, yes, we need, we need more um, highly educated uh, individuals to come and really help us with that holistic piece. So he specializes in metabolic health, uh, hormone optimization for both men and women, and osteoporosis and longevity. So Dr. Doug aims to address the underlying causes of chronic disease to improve both health span and lifespan, which I think is such a great point for us to start to talk about that and the differentiation between the two. But Dr. Doug, I just want to welcome you to the Thrive with Sharon podcast and to the community. I'm so excited for people to know you. I have really enjoyed getting to know all of the ways and nuances that you're really out there serving. Um, so thank you and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, well, it's it's really my pleasure. And, you know, in our prep for the show, I, I said, you know, the most important thing is, is that I want us to be able to allow curiosity to guide some of our conversation. And so one of the things for me um, is in, in my experience, and I've had a long history of, you know, some having to deal with some health issues um, in, in my younger years, a lot of autoimmune diseases. And so for me, what I've learned through my lens is that there are a lot of correlation between traumatic experiences that we've had earlier on in life that have kind of shown up in our physical health. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, just starting maybe from that discussion point, um, how much, how much you're, how much you're seeing that and how much you're actually, um, allowing for in your, in your practice to help the holistic piece? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a really hard one. Um, so, uh, you know, I was thinking, actually, I was, I was listening to some of your podcasts earlier and, and I, I was thinking about this specific thing. So it's funny that you brought it up right, right away. <laughs> But um, I was thinking about when I was an orthopedic surgeon, when I was practicing full time and doing, you know, doing the things that surgeons do, which is operate on people, I would see people come in and and frequently they would have, you know, I was a foot and ankle subspecialist. So, you know, this kind of vague foot pain, it's almost like a diagnosis in and of itself, vague yeah. foot pain. Yeah. And, and 
how many times at that time I would have never thought of this, but I'm wondering now how many times, you know, do we, we do the diagnostic workup and we get the x-rays and you get the MRI and you say, well, yeah, I mean, you've got a little bit of arthritis in here and, you know, you got a little bit of this, like we can always find something, especially in the foot. Um, <laughs> and a lot of times those are the patients where you say, look, you know, yes, we can do this surgery and I can make you different, but I don't know that I'm going to make you better because your symptoms don't really correlate with this thing. Um, mm -hmm. But then you you do say like a diagnostic procedure, like an injection, but anything can act like a placebo. So anything can make something mm -hmm. better about half of the time, right? And so you do an injection and they get a little bit better, then it comes back because you didn't fix the problem. Um, mm -hmm. And then they go on to have surgery because the injection helps. So then surgery should help, but then the surgery doesn't work. And so I wondered how many times in those scenarios did... Mm -hmm was I just trying to treat the wrong thing because I was treating what, what showed up, it was indicated, but that wasn't the underlying thing. I have no idea how many times that happened. Right. Um, but in my own life, I actually had a, a similar situation where I had this, it's kind of a long story, but let's just call it shoulder pain that really got worse over the last year. And then about six weeks ago, it just went away like that. And I did the full workup, MRI, x-rays. I probably, I don't know, six injections. Like I can inject it myself. So just that kind of thing. And um, and the injections would help a little bit, but then it would come back. Mm -hmm. And then I, I kind of had this emotional breakthrough and it really allowed it to just release and go away. Woke oh. up one day when it was gone. <laughs> So, so I, you know, I think about my patients now and yes, we had, we tried to address all these things. Mm. It really falls into the coaching side. You know, my time with the patient, depending on, uh, on kind of how they're working with me, my time with the patient is really driven around test results and creating a, a plan. I do some of my own, but I, what I call physician level coaching, which is basically just, if you want to talk to me more, <laughs> Um, and in that scenario, we can try to get into it, but I don't have the training to really do it, but I do recognize, and I can tell people, Hey, look, you, you have this pain or you have this, this experience and the doctor, the traditional medical model has worked you up and everything seems to be negative. This is really common in back pain too. Yeah. Everything seems to be negative. Maybe we should look somewhere else, you know, but then my challenge, and this is my question back to you is mm. where do I send these people? you know, mm. how, who is the right person? I mean, maybe it's you, but who is the right person to, to say, Hey, let's explore, you know, could this be coming from some underlying emotional situation or some historic trauma? Mm. Cause that's really hard to unearth, especially in the, in the physician or the coach setting. Yeah. And I, I understand, I understand. And actually, you know, the thing that I love hearing in, in your question is the fact that you're maintaining some integrity of right person for the right job. And oh, understanding that there's always more than one solution. And many times it's never just like a very, you know, binary thing where it's just like, here's my problem. Here's your solution, which is just really more of that Western medicine model, right? Where we, we have that oh. diagnostic approach, like let's find something to diagnose so that we can then create the treatment around that. And so for me, I always say, um, I, I, I receive a lot of, um, a lot of my patients and clients come to me because they've tried all of these other things and it hasn't worked and things continue pro to progress because the body just continues to amplify, um, its voice in many ways. Right. Um, and so they finally just say, well, I, I, now I I'm, you know, completely lost and hopeless and, 
you know, um, I need, I need help. Um, and so we start to peel away the layers of the onion and we do find that there's always typically something emotional underneath and definitely trauma is directly correlated to a lot of physical and medical mm -hmm. conditions. But, um, but I do think that it's a multi, a team approach that is best, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm also not a, a, trained and licensed medical doctor. And I always say that. And a lot of my, my patients say like in a message to me, Sharon, not the doctor. Um, I just have this question for you because I say it all of the time. And I think that's really important for us to say, like, this is where I'm coming from. This is my perspective. This is my approach. And I also suggest always to make sure that you have someone, a doctor, someone who is a specialist, who is also on your team that you feel can support you in this, right? Um, and that we need to all, like you and I, as practitioners, learn how to be able to cross-pollinate and to work mm -hmm. together from a position of service, as opposed to a position of like, you know, and I'm not saying this is you, but a lot of, a lot of people work on amplifying their brand and monetizing right. things and and it's it's backwards right we have it backwards where it's like if you provide the service and if you create good connections and network then like the, you you won't you know you'll you'll just continue to expand right so mm -hmm. um i don't know if that directly answered your question but i i, I feel like that's an important piece to kind of like drop in mm -hmm. there yeah, I, I do find it it's challenging, you know, especially coming out of my wife's space, which I worked with her and her business, which is in the weight loss world and is does a very challenging space to be cooperative because everybody has their product, right? Right. And so what I do, I, what I love about the space that I'm in now is that I really, I don't know anybody that does what I do the way I do it, yeah. you know, and, yes. and not to say that there aren't other functional medicine practitioners and other people out there, but but the way that we provide this really comprehensive approach, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into, like, I'm not afraid to even go out and put it, I'm actually working on a program to, to put us into physician offices, right? To say, look, this that. is what we do. If you find somebody that needs these services, then, you know, th let's figure out a way that we can have a coordinated care agreement. And we have, we have that in place and we're, we're just now getting ready to launch it. And when I, when I told my team about it, they said, but, but, but wait, if you tell them what we do, they'll take it. I right. said, no, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want to do what I do. You know, like I, I love what I do, but yeah. none of my orthopedic surgeon friends want to know anything about hormones or want to know anything about how to manage, you know, all the things that go along with that. They just don't want to have that conversation. And I get mm -hmm. that. That's totally fine. Mm -hmm. I never thought I would be having these conversations either, but here we are. Right? <laughs> this, is, this is my path. And so right. I, I, I would love to find, you know, to find the people that I can, I can connect with. And my connections are always getting, you know, bigger and broader. And we have mm -hmm. on our website, you know, we have our, we call it the toolbox where all the different people that we can send people to and different services and modalities. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is so broad and the technology is so great. There's so much that we can do. Um, mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I love just sticking in my lane and saying, look, this is what we do. And this is what we do really well. Yeah, that. Yeah. And however, what you do crosses so many different borders, right? Like you, you really can take, uh, you, you spoke into it earlier with just like looking at the pathologies of the lab work and testing, but you're not doing traditional 
testing from that Western medical model. So I, I, I want to, maybe we can start there, right? So, um, mm -hmm. because there's so many things that we can spiral into and in, in the way that you go about helping to optimize people's health. So maybe is that where you start with your practice is you start with the testing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we always start with learning about people. Now the, the testing, because the testing process takes a few weeks, we actually start by asking a lot of questions about the patient. So of mm. course there's the, the form that you fill out, like the thing, mm -hmm. um, but then you actually meet with somebody on the team and our, usually mm. our director of coaching is the one that sits down, talks with you for an hour and just goes over, you know, all your lifestyle pillars, you know, let's talk about your mm -hmm. sleep and your movement and, you know, what are your goals and, you know, what are you eating and how are you mitigating your stress? You know, all mm -hmm. of that stuff is, is critical. And then we get blood work, which is, you know, yes, your doctor also gets blood work, right? But our blood panel, if you look at the numbers, it is what I call an extensive blood panel. Um, people kind of make fun of me because when they go to give the blood, they feel like they've just been drained of all their blood. <laughs> because <laughs> it's a it's a fair amount of blood yeah i promise that you you know you're not going to pass out uh well you might but not because of the volume and um and so yeah so we get a lot of we get a lot of metrics and then we also add on this functional testing layer mm. um, and and what i mean by functional testing are things that the the traditional medical model wouldn't pursue so right. for example like um like gut testing for you know food intolerances which isn't really the, the right word but it's what everybody knows um uh, you know, stool testing to look at gut function, not a fun one, right? But something that's really, really helpful, depending on what's going on, looking mm -hmm. at your adrenal glands very specifically, uh, mm. you know, and just basically trying to figure out what's happening at the organ level, rather mm. than just getting, you know, a broad blood test that you would get and say, hmm, you know, this looks a little off. I don't know what's wrong. Um, so we just get very, very granular with our testing early on. I, and I love that because again, I deal with people who have a lot of mystery illnesses, right. And, um, things that, you know, for a very extreme kind of effects on their, their quality of life. Um, you know, and it, you do have to get granular on it because again, for instance, something along the lines of like an A1C level, right. Which is a very common test that people, um, are administered and just check to see if their blood sugars are okay. Um, mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily indicate whether or not the person is having like swings, right? Oh. Because we could have highs and lows all day long. They're passing out because of a huge <laughs> plummet in their glycemic index, right? right? Or whatever. And but they go back to the doctor and the doctor's like, well, I don't know, there's something wrong, you know, yeah, because A1C level is fine, right? And meanwhile, yeah. like, are you kidding me? And so I'll say, get your hands on, you know, um, a testing kit and test throughout the day. So you yeah. have different evidence and the numbers are like, I just got numbers from 480, wow. 480 in an yeah. adolescent. Ooh. Right. So, you know, but they've been to the doctor three times and each time the doctor's like, Nope. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's rough. So, so I love the fact that you're talking about really getting deeper and into the testing and testing different things. But so what does that look like from the hormonal standpoint or, mm -hmm. you know, what types of tests are you talking about? Yeah. So I just want to take one step back and talk about the, the diabetes thing real quick, because this is something that just, it is, uh, you mentioned it in, in your intro, you know, metabolic health is one of my passions. And I, I really picked that up by working with my wife. Mm. If, if you're. 
if all your doctor is testing is A1C, or even if all they're testing is just your fasting blood sugar, you're missing the big picture. And, yes. and I know you know this, but let me just spell it out for your Please. listeners. So you're the problem of diabetes is really a spectrum that starts with what's called insulin resistance very, very early on. Insulin yes. being the hormone that helps your body to dispose of, of glucose, which is carbohydrate as it's metabolized. People can have insulin resistance and, and carbohydrate intolerance and be normal weight, have mm -hmm. not elevated blood sugar and, and not elevated A1C and start to actually get symptoms of diabetes, meaning you can get neuropathy, you can get, yes. uh, which is a nerve problem, retinopathy, eye problems. Mm -hmm. um, you can start to get kidney problems before you ever see elevations in blood sugar. Yes. So by the time you're seeing an elevated fasting glucose, you've had this problem for probably a long time. Now the, the, the pediatric patient that you're talking about, I mean, that's, that's scary because that's happened really fast. So there's something really wrong there. Um, so when we test those patients, we're getting an A1C because I do want to know what that is, but we're also getting not only the fasting glucose, but we're also getting an insulin level, which is right. very rarely tested in people. So a fasting insulin level tells you so much. And then I was just working up a patient's report right before we, we hopped on this call. Um, and she has these kind of rapidly fluctuating blood glucose and she's, uh, her A1C is a little bit high. It's not actually pre-diabetic, but she's right below that. So my recommendation is instead of sticking your finger, which is a good option, but people tend to not do it, to use something <laughs> called a CGM, if you're familiar with that, yeah. the continuous glucose monitor, which is uh -huh. such a great tool. It's so good. Mm -hmm. It's so and, good. And so, yeah. So if anybody is in that group, just definitely know there is, there's more to learn and more to figure out. And don't forget that diabetes can be, if you have diabetes, it can be put in remission. And if you're 100%. not there yet, it can go away completely. Right? This is not a medical problem that needs to persist in, in your life and, not, and definitely not in our culture at all. But mm -hmm. yet it is, you know, over half the population, which is amazing. Right. It's half, 50% of the population. Diabetic I mean, and pre-diabetic. Yeah. Over 50% of the population. If you have, if you don't have prediabetes or diabetes, you are now in the minority in our country. How's that? <laughs> right. Yeah. So then to actually answer your question, um, we get into hormone testing because hormone optimization is a huge part of, of what we do. Everything that I just mentioned, actually not so much diabetes, but all the others uh, hormones drive a, a huge component of that when you're talking about sex hormones. So we do that through blood testing for sure. And that's the gold standard. But there are also other ways to measure hormones and some hormones are better measured through other avenues like urine or potentially saliva. So mm -hmm. like cortisol, one of your stress hormones, better measured through saliva. Mm -hmm. uh, we measure it in blood too. Um, estrogen metabolism, you know, for, for our, our peri and postmenopausal people. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much you talk about your health on your podcast. I don't mind. Um, I, I it's, yeah. it's, it's all out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, you know, looking at estrogen metabolism can help explain not only, you know, symptoms of, of perimenopause and menopause, actually in, in, pre, in premenopausal women too, um, mm -hmm. but also your risk for developing breast cancer. And especially if you're considering replacement, knowing how you're metabolizing and where you can be helped in the metabolism of your estrogen can actually decrease your risk of developing breast cancer with or without yes. replacement. That's okay. You just ran through that fast, but that is, <laughs> that is a life-changing fact. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things, especially, well, any, anyone doesn't matter if you have a body, you have to be worried about breast cancer. It's not just women who, or people who identify as feminine, right? So 
I, it's, it's anyone, anyone has runs that risk and mm -hmm. the underlying issues. Of course, we have some genetics, right? We do have to take into account some of the genetics, but for me, what my experience has shown and what my training has shown is that, yes, there is that piece, but it's a very small percentage, mm -hmm. right? Really more of what contributes to those factors are, especially when it comes to things like breast cancer, are the fact that um, it's, it's the environment, it's the diet, it's the culture, it's the structure of, the, you know, <clears throat> how uh, our lifestyles. Um, yeah. And so we're, we're energetically repatterning those same things. Right. Um, and even how we deal with stress and, you know, all of the different ways that we kind of go out into the world. And so that, that predisposes us towards leaning more towards potentially having that experience of disease. That's right. Yeah. And, and to just put it all on one one molecule and say, oh, well, taking this, this thing is going to increase your risk is, is really, you know, yes, you can, you can say that, but there are so many factors, particularly with cancer. Mm. And, you know, and it was really unfortunate what happened in the early 2000s with the research around hormones, that when they came out with the study, the, the big study that kind of blew the top off of hormones was the Women's Health Initiative. And when that came out in, in the early 2000s, um, it scared millions of women yeah. off of their estrogen replacement and caused who knows how much harm, right? I mean, ripping all these women off of their estrogen, the symptoms that associated with it, and then the disease as a result of being estrogen deficient. I mean, it's terrible. Um, and now, you know, the research that's been done over the last 20 years has really shown that the risk is really not there. There is a risk, but it is much lower than it was ever anticipated. Mm -hmm. And if done correctly, it can actually prevent or at least reduce your risk so you can have a less than average risk of breast cancer when it's done the right way through a bioidentical pathway. Um, but I talk, I, I counsel people through this. We spend a lot of time talking about the risks and the benefits because there are some risks, particularly if you've been, if it's, if you've been several years after the onset of menopause, right. you know, there are other risks aside from breast cancer, but it is, it's something that we always have to deal with. And it, the reality is it's so common you know, one in seven women will develop breast cancer, right? So it is so common that, you know, I put people on estrogen every day. So some of those women will develop breast cancer, right? And so mm -hmm. it's a difficult mm -hmm. conversation to have both before and after, or mm -hmm. the flip side of that is a woman who has had breast cancer, who mm -hmm. now has, let's, you know, let's say she comes in, I just had this conversation uh, earlier this week, woman who had breast cancer, she is on a, an estrogen blocking drug as part of her her chemo, her, you know, her long-term plan for chemo. Right. And now she has terrible osteoporosis, which is, you know, loss of bone quality and quantity. Right. And, and it's driven, a lot of it's driven by lack of estrogen. Right. So she asks me, she's like, you know, can you work with me? And I said, well, I can, but I can't prescribe you estrogen, right? Like I, I can't give you estrogen, which your, right. your, which your doctor is intentionally blocking because you had a hormone sensitive breast cancer. Like that's a really tough problem. But that's a really rare scenario and, and most women would benefit from it, or actually all women would benefit from it, but most women do not have those risks and would be fine to, to go ahead and start it. But it's a gotta be a case by case decision. 
Right, exactly. And we're always, I think, as um, just a collective society, I think we're we're so driven towards things being packaged, right? So mm-hmm. we we like to hear what somebody else's experience is and then automatically apply that to, well, that's the way it's going to be for me. And so, like you said, um, when, you know, some sort of an organization comes out with some sort of study, then automatically we think, well, then that means that I can't or I can. Um, and it really does limit ourselves from looking at our own unique presentation of whatever our landscape is, right? Um, So on the one end, in many times, we're being commoditized, right? Because we're, we're like being put into a box. So it's easier to kind of like, okay, it's easier to solve for X, but, um, and then on the other side, we're, we're also buying into the commodity, you know, the commoditization, right? But the, that's the thing that I like about what I'm hearing from you is that in your practice, what you've developed is the true diagnostic piece where you go deep, right? You go, you, you really look at things from, um, a functioning level of the organ, right? Um, and, then on top of it, you allow for discussion because everybody, we're, nobody is an expert on, you know, so we, we go through so many milestones in our lives, right. As individuals. And it, like, as a woman growing up, I know that we spent some time learning about, you know, what's going to happen to our bodies next. Right. So that usually typically mm-hmm. is, you know, development and, and having your, you know, um, menstruation and cycle and all of that stuff. But, but from there, it's just like, well, have, have fun. Right. <laughs> um, and so we're not really prepared for then how to be well and how to be healthy once we get past a certain point in our lives. Right. Sure. And so when something happens and when something comes up, and so usually people land in your office when they're starting to have an issue, they usually land in my office when they start mm-hmm. to have an issue. And so they're not the experts. And even if they do, you know, WebMD and Google search here and YouTube videos there, they're still really not the expert on the subject of whatever the issue is. And so to have that consultation and to have that collaborative discussion and be able to ask questions and make choices, it sounds like, based upon what's good is such a, I, I know you know this, but I just want to say like, it is such an important piece to all of our health and to us really take being our own, like our best advocates because it's hard to advocate for ourselves when we don't know what we're fighting against. Yeah, no, I, I think the education piece is huge. And this is where the medical system, and, and I want to just take a step back and just say that I don't I don't just harp on the medical system and say that it's all terrible and it's all bad because- We need it. There are so many great things that happen yes. in, in the medical system every second of every day. Yeah. Um, but the, there are common trends that leave certain gaps that need to be filled. And this is yeah. where, this is why I do what I do, yeah. but I just want to know, I'm not disparaging the whole system and I'm not disparaging doctors, but what happens, what has happened. And I've, I've kind of watched this through my career, which is, you know, when I started training, I saw doctors who had, it, it was still short, but you know, they had 15 minutes, right. For, for a, a, yeah. a patient. And then they had 30 minutes for a new patient. Right. And so you can actually have a conversation in that period of time. By the time I hit practice, I mean, I was seeing, I was, an, I was a hospital employee and the expectations were to see 50 to 60 patients a day. 
I would have probably three to four minutes to sit down with a patient, you know, and I'm somebody who's interested in nutrition. I'm trying to yeah. counsel people in that yeah. time and my clinic would get behind and people get upset, right? Because I'm actually talking to diabetics about what carbohydrates are, you know, and um, that has just gone away. So the idea that you need to educate and then co-share a decision with a patient is just, it's ludicrous if you have three to four minutes. You can't, you have yeah. to go in and you have to say, look, you have this problem. We're going to do this. Sign on the dotted line. See you later. Bye. You know, maybe if you're lucky, hey, here's a handout that has the risks and benefits. See ya. Bye. Got to go. Right. Um, and um, and usually you don't get that. So so I love, you know, in this model, when I sit down with a patient, we sit down for an hour, right? And we're going over stuff and I'm, and I'm educating them about, okay, you know, we want, you want to talk about hormone replacement. Great. Mm -hmm. So let's go through all the risks. Let's go through all the benefits. Tell me about, you know, your, your aunt that had breast cancer. Do you know anything about it? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and just talk about all these things and then they feel very empowered. And yes. even, so this is a great example. So I've had patients who come in because they don't want to be on a medication, you know, let's call it a, an osteoporosis medication, or sometimes it's something for autoimmunity. I see a lot of these patients too. Mm-hmm. We go through the whole workup. We try to find the underlying cause. And sometimes you come out on the other end and they still actually need the medication. You know, like we don't, we, we're not always 100% successful in in reversing everything, right? Some things right? are just too, too far gone. Or like yes. bone health is a great example where the risk of fracture is so high that yeah. a pharmaceutical makes sense. But now they look at that drug and they understand why. They're like, okay, right. no, now I get it, right? I'm doing all these mm -hmm. things. I'm on this path. But if I don't take this drug, I'm at such a high risk of fracturing that, you know, it's going to have these implications. So then they take the medication and they actually feel good about it, right? right. So now they understand it. But to get there took, you know, it took six months and it took a lot of testing and time and conversations, mm -hmm. which you just can't do in the traditional medical model with the way that it's built now. No, it's, it's, and it's never the people I, I, you know, I always, I, I always say, I believe in the goodness and kindness of every single person. I think that we're all really trying to do our best. And, you know, your reflection of when you were working in the hospital, you know, and, and, you know, to, to think about the fact that you, the surgeries that you did or how maybe that didn't need to happen or some of the underlying reasons behind it, that it, it we do our best with what we have right and what we know but as soon as we know better right. then we have the opportunity to be able to do better and um i think that you're taking the time and investing in each individual it it just it provides such an amazing momentum in their empowered health decisions across the board. Um, we see this all the time where when somebody feels like they're understood, then the, it, it totally changes mm -hmm. the entire picture for them, right? Um, we all want to feel empowered on some level. Um, I don't think, I, I think oppression is a real thing. Um, and I think that it, it affects people in so many different ways. And I also think about the cultural context as well, right? The accessible, um, the accessibility to the, the proper help that we really need and the educational piece. So, um, it's, it's just, it's, 
it's so wonderful that we actually have people like you who have made the decision to really not go against what something is that you've learned, but you're expanding it. So you're doing it better. Right. Which is really in a lot of ways, what I've done, um, is, you know, I, there, there is this traditional model and it works for some, but it doesn't work for everyone. And, and I also know how it didn't work for me. So I, I'm mindful of saying, okay, so how can we do this better? How can we really help people heal as opposed to just provide a cure? And I actually just did a post on that today, right? So it's just like, there's such a difference between curing something. And you said, you know, we could try this, but it may not fix the problem. Something else might happen, you know? Um, and, and from a spiritual perspective, one of the spiritual teachers that I study with, um, he said, you know, you never want to cut the tail off of the snake. Right. So, cause if you, it doesn't matter how much of the tail you see, you're not getting the whole, you're not getting the whole snake. Right. right? Yeah. So sometimes when you do that, it can create an adverse effect <laughs> to you, um, in the long run. So to make that little extra effort and maybe not so little, but bigger <laughs> effort, um, to really just take your time. And if it takes six months, then it takes six months, but you know that you've arrived at the absolute best decision for you now. That's right. right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, people, I watch people with difficult problems come out kind of resolved on the other side and say, okay, well now, now I understand this better, you know, with, with mm -hmm. all the education and all the things that we've worked on. And we also are, we're identifying a lot of other stuff along the way. So a lot of other things are going to feel better but they do, mm -hmm. they get this resolve around, okay, this is where I am. I, I, mm -hmm. I feel, I feel good about this thing that I, that I have and, and how I'm going to deal with it. This is just my story. Right. right. Um, and it is, it's, it's the empowerment is, is awesome. And mm -hmm. I really enjoy that component of it. Uh, but mm -hmm. it is, you know, it was, it's six months, it's 12 months. I mean, right now we basically, when we onboard people at this point, we ask them to, to commit to 12 months because it takes mm -hmm. six months to make a change and then retest and then, you know, make sure that you're doing the right thing. So it mm -hmm. really is, you know, we, we are asking people to commit to themselves and to trust us in the process and just mm -hmm. to, to kind of work through these things. Mm -hmm. What we're finding too, now that we've been open for a couple of years is that people are going through this time frame and then they recognize the value and they just want to keep doing it. You know, like, let's just keep, let's just keep, keep this added layer on top of my healthcare, uh, because right. it's, and for those who didn't see that I was doing air quotes because yeah. um, <laughs> our healthcare system is really not a healthcare system. Um, you know, so we want this, this, I call it health optimization, this layer on top of the traditional system, you know, which is really, yes. I call it sick care or symptom care yes. or cutting, cutting the tail off the snake care. Yeah. Um, but if you're not getting to the head of the snake, you know, you're really probably just creating more problems. Mm -hmm. And you really have to be an advocate for yourself. And you mentioned this before, you have to be an advocate for yourself because the system is not designed to get to the root of the problem. And you could say maybe that's there's some some malfeasance there where they want you to stay sick. And I don't know if that's true at some level, but I don't think it's through the doctor level, you know, but maybe you no. maybe, you know, maybe this system. the high, higher up somewhere, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're a sick population, they're going to make money off of you, which is true. So you have to be an advocate for yourself and recognize mm -hmm. that, you know, nobody wants to pay for you to be well, because nobody makes money on somebody who is independent, autonomously thinking and mm -hmm. well. 
Um, and mm -hmm. so we we want to, if you want to be those things, which I think we probably all do, if you want to be those things, you really have to drive it yourself. A hundred percent. And the thing, so a personal reflection is that when, when I decided to um, add another layer onto the services that I provided and become a licensed therapist, I committed that I was not going to work with insurance at all. Mm -hmm right? Because of the fact that as soon as you say yes to that, you're, you're it's like such a domino effect in so many different ways. And it takes away the ability to provide the care that you really know needs to be provided. And also for, um, you know, it just affects things on so many different levels, right? Yeah. So from an energetic, energetic, a spiritual perspective, a personal beliefs perspective. And, and also I don't, believe that saying yes to something that doesn't work, that is saying in so many different ways that we're going to dictate what your value is. We're going to dictate what the, um, as a practitioner, as well as the value of the patient and, you know, but we're going to be the ones who get the lion's share of all the benefit of all of that. And it's just like, right. are you kidding? Yeah. That's just like, and why are we, why are we fighting to, to maintain that? So um, so it is an investment. It is an investment on so many different ways because A, you're investing in doing something different than the structure and the foundation that's been laid down for us to kind of blindly walk through, right? To make mm -hmm. things easy. Um, so it's it's definitely more challenging for people because you're you kind of feel like you're you're jumping out of an airplane without a parachute, right? Because you're just like, I, I, well, I don't know, this is really foreign to me. I don't think, wait a second, you know, you know, no insurance, you know, who is the governing body, you know, whatever. But there are, there are incredible ways then that you can become super creative with your patients so that you right. can help them to get to the root cause, um, which is the most important part because, you know, you said it. Um, I believe that there, I believe in a multi-pronged approach. And I think that we definitely need, especially I call it almost like emergency medicine, right? You kind of said that in not so many words where it's like, wait until something's broken and then we'll repair it. And of course, you know, the literal broken arm, you know, I, I, you need support for that, right? You need a trained medical doctor to help you with that. Unless you're on like, you know, the survivor show, um, you're stuck somewhere in an Island, like you, it, it benefits you to have that emergency medical care. Um, and to your point, sometimes, because we just don't know, and we've also been living, um, the best we can with what we have and our resources that we have, and we're not aware of maybe some of the foods that we're eating that are deficient in certain minerals or um, this, the amount of stress that we're under as we're working in our jobs and how all of that actually affects our physical body. Cause we're, many of us are very disconnected from our physical bodies, right? Oh, yeah. um, that we do come to a point where there are things that um, may be past a point of complete restoration. Right. And of course, I believe in the possibility of any and all things being healed, mm. but there's also that possibility. So for me, I had a lot of, I had undiagnosed celiac all of my life. Right. So I didn't find out until I was um, 37, 38, somewhere around there. Right. So by that time, there was already so much 
physical dam damage to the physical body, right? That for sure. I've spent years, years, decades, you know, healing that. Um, and I realized that I'm always going to have to support my liver. I'm always going to have to give extra support to my adrenals, right? Like I'm always going to have to give extra support to my gut health. Um, and so I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And sometimes that might need medication and there's no shame in medication if we yeah. really truly need it. And sometimes that just means putting a little extra effort in, in how you actually structure your day, how you live your life. Oh yeah. Right. right? Yeah. Well, and people have, a, I love, it's actually my diabetics is another great story about diabetes, you know, is that people say, well, I don't want to restrict my carbohydrates. And mm -hmm. I say, well, that's fine. You know, you don't have to, but you will then have to take medication to control your intolerance to carbohydrates and likely insulin. And yes, it will escalate. And I think, you know, what the complications are from that. And they look at, and they, you know, they get, they can be very frustrated and they can feel, um, you know, like they're a victim of it. Mm. But I just say, look, this is, this is your story. This is how you have gone from, you know, when you were born to now, right. you have developed this intolerance and you didn't know it. It's not your fault, but right. the, the foods that you were sold from our, our food system um, were very damaging to your system. And this is, mm -hmm. this is where you are. So mm -hmm. you can put this thing in remission and you can choose to eat this way. Um, and you cannot have all the complications of diabetes. If you don't eat it, it, it goes away. It's like, it never existed. Right. But you have <laughs> to follow the eating plan. Yes. And, uh, and I I've actually had some patients. I have one right now, man, she's right on the fence. And so she just kind of like, she'll just go back and I'll, I'll, I'll look at her numbers. And I'm like, why is your blood sugar 300? Like, she's like, well, I just really had to have that cupcake. And I'm like, what, if that's your choice, right? Like, if you want, if you want to live that way, then you will need insulin to control your blood sugar. And this is your choice. I'm not going to tell you that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, you don't don't feel then as if you have been harmed, you know, by anything other than your mind mm -hmm. and your decision making, you know, you have you mm -hmm. have free will to make this decision. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting to watch people kind of figure out, you know, where they want to draw the line in the sand. And that's, that's, I'm here to help them. That's my, that's my role is to be a, a the guide for them on that. I yeah. wanted to touch base too on the insurance thing, because uh, this is something really important. As we, uh, I know you have a global audience, so it's different in every country. Um, in the United States, insurance companies rule everything, or mm -hmm. actually, I, sh I should say hosp hospitals and insurance companies rule everything. <laughs> yeah. And um, if you are a part of that system, they will dictate how you practice, just period. Yep. Um, and so when I created this practice, I looked at the options and I, I thought about creating a hybrid model, but the reality is if you, once you're in the system, then they will dictate how you practice. They will dictate mm -hmm. how long they pay for you to see a patient. Yep. They will dictate how much they will make it very challenging to get reimbursed for, especially the functional mm -hmm. testing, which oh. you know, they may or they may not cover. Right. It makes, basically makes it impossible to have a, a transparent conversation with a patient about cost. Mm -hmm. So rather than doing that, I don't take insurance either. And I just mm -hmm. explain, look, we are that extra level of care. This is an investment. This is a cash price. We offer financing if you need that. But right. but but you we cannot do this through insurance. And all the time people, well, my but if you just give me the list of your of your of your labs, then my doctor will run them. I'm like, well, first of all, they won't because they don't know how to read them. And even right. if they do, your insurance company may not cover it. And then you'll actually end up paying more, mm -hmm. but you won't know until after it's done. And then you can't go back. 
And so it just, I just have kind of drawn the line after going back and forth and back and forth and yeah. just said, look, no, the answer is no. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a cash pay thing. It's and, such a mindset. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I was, um, I, I think about this from my orthopedic practice too. And so I was in a group in, in Asheville where I live now in North Carolina and they had, we had, well, I don't know, 10 surgeons, I think. And mm -hmm. we had an entire building. Imagine the overhead of this. We had an entire building, an entire floor of cubicles of staff trying to get reimbursed for procedures. I know. All day long. It's all they did. How many salaried employees? And right. I'm not saying that they, the employees didn't, weren't worthy of having employment, but it's like what the reason, where we're putting our resources. Yeah. To be people, able, I mean, it's just part of why is it so expensive? And, you know, it's like, look, like if you're, I mean, especially, I mean, orthopedic surgeons get paid well for their procedures, but even then there are a lot of procedures where if you have to pay somebody to sit on the phone for a couple of hours, your margin's gone. Right. Right. And so then you're, you're basically operating for free or you're paying to operate on somebody and expose yourself to risk. And like, yes. people wonder like, why are, why are doctors burned out? Why are private practices going away? And this is it. it it's mm -hmm. because the insurance companies are making it so difficult. Hospitals too are making it so difficult to actually practice medicine. So even the, the most well-meaning doc can end up getting extremely frustrated short with their patients because they're, you know, their livelihood is going away. Um, yeah. And so I just, yeah, I wanted to bring that up to you because I think it's an important perspective that people don't understand that insurance yeah. companies are a pain from the consumer perspective, right. but they are every bit as painful from a provider perspective. Oh, it, exactly. There's it's, it's either side of the chair pretty much. Um, and that's, that's the interesting thing is, is that we, because we're looking at the provider in front of us, or we're looking at the patient in front of us, we we can't help but feel it on a personal level, right? But really it has it has more to do with this whole other model that we're we're saying yes to um by by subscribing to it. Um and I know that that is it's challenging for some people to wrap their brains around, right? Because we're 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 being fed a lot of fear in, you know, well if you don't you know, if you don't participate in the insurance or you're going to, you know, you're going to go bankrupt, you're going to lose your house, you're going to do that. And none of those things happen with practitioners who are very clear and upfront about like, here's what it is. Here's the exchange. Here's the, we're going to, we're going to figure this out and we're going to invest in one another. Right. Um, right. But from the, the point of what you were making before is that the practitioners end up actually having to pay for providing the service at the end right. of the day when, because insurance typically, and I don't know, we don't want to go too deep on this, but like insurance is designed to create the resistance that causes people to That's have right. to want to spend or need to spend hours and hours and hours and hours. And if you don't agree, insurance sets a timeline. They, they start a timer at the time that it starts and if they don't like it by a certain time, they can actually take money directly out of your account. <laughs> That's right. Right? They take the money right, right out of your account. You're and wrong. Then, <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, wait. And, and so you provided all of these hours of service and you've paid all of these, you know, the emergency room or the operating room staff, right? Anesthesiologists and all the nurses and all of the stuff to prep and all of that stuff, right? 
down the tubes. Yeah. Down the tubes. Well, and so I mean, some policies, so you know, state-run policies um, are, are are notorious for re such low reimbursement that yeah. you know out of the gate that you're going to lose money, mm -hmm. right? And so that's where people say, well, why don't why doesn't this practice take my insurance? And a lot of times, that's the reason why is that they the reimbursement is so low that they are losing money on every single patient that has that type right. of insurance that walks in the door, you know, and that's that's really tough because we shouldn't discriminate based on I mean, based on income, right? But that's right. that is ultimately what it is because these are less expensive policies. Mm -hmm. And so we're creating this this system where we are by definition discriminating mm -hmm. based on income. You know, and I'm I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure we're not supposed to do that. So yeah, it's it's really frustrating. Yeah. Well, for me in my business model, I have always a percentage that is dedicated towards free or very low fee service. And I prioritize people who are uh, marginalized on mm. some level. So um, it's, it's super important to me. Um, and I know it, you know, it, it's, it's not going to keep my lights on, but at the same right. time, I, I acknowledge the fact that, you know, it's messy. This is a messy system. This is a messy situation. Yeah. And I, um, never want to, um, if it's, if it's the right match, right. I always just kind of feel like let's, we're going to figure this out. Um, and as long as it's that percentage and I have a boundary around that of the business, um, then everything else will work out. I trust in that. I totally yeah. trust in that. And we, we do the same where we, you know, we, cause I meet with all of my patients, you know, and so everybody that's considering working with us, I meet with them personally. Mm -hmm. And you do, you get that sense of, look, we need to work together, right? I just feel yeah. like we need to work together. So, so yeah. let's make it work. Right. And right. the challenge for us is that our, the cost of testing us is, is so yeah. high yeah. that even yeah. if, even if I dropped it to, you know, we're making $0, it's still expensive. It's still, you know? it's still an, ex an investment. Yeah. 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 And I guess I shouldn't use the word expensive. It's relative, but it is, it, it is just costly. Um, yeah. And so we do, we try to work with people whenever possible. Um, and we're also actually trying to create other other layers where you know potentially do-it-yourself programs that'll provide mm -hmm. as much as we can through an avenue that isn't costly you mm -hmm. know or this is how you can get the testing done you know potentially somewhere else or potentially even through your insurance right you know and, and mm -hmm. we're not going to do that but but this is how you could potentially do that or group right. group sessions right so there are yep. ways that we can bring down the cost and and we're working on those models particularly in the, the bone health arena to start yeah, that's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that. But I think the most important thing is, is that, you know, swinging it back around to the benefits, right? So mm -hmm, right. the benefits are that when we get to the root level of where some of our underlying issues are, and I always say this, like, you know, um, dis-ease is kind of like a seed that's planted, right? And we never really mm -hmm. know where the branches are going to grow. And so for many of us, um, especially when it comes to hormonal and metabolic, metabolic health, um, you know, depending upon where we catch it um, or where we might feel it, um, it's, it's going to show up and we can follow that down and you follow that down to the point where you know where the issue lies and you can address it at that level and mm -hmm. totally turn around someone's life totally right. turning around right that's that's miraculous that's what people want that's what people 
are asking for and what they need. They just don't always realize that this is the way you get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we're just not, that's not the, that's not the message that we get. Right. It's because all the messaging that most people are getting is you have a symptom. Here's a drug. You have a, you know, <laughs> this is, this is the right way to eat. No, it's this, no, it's this, no, it's this, you know, and it's, it, there's conflicting information. And then ultimately it's the, the big money drivers, which are, you know, pharmaceuticals, surgery, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we have the solution for your symptom, not mm -hmm. let's find the problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. But, you know, the, the benefit really at this point is the fact that you are, you are helping people every single day to be able to live their lives in a way where they can enjoy it, Yeah. where their emotional, I'm sure it affects their emotional health as well. You know, hormones, especially, oh, yeah. um, adrenals and hormones. I mean, that, that, gut health, that all of those and, things go hand in hand with emotional and mental health. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, so how can people get in touch with you? Um, yeah, the best way is just to visit our website. It's optimalhumanhealth.com. Um, that's mm -hmm. where we have all of the information that we have, uh, very specifically is on there. There's both a contact us form as well as our phone number and, and, uh, um, an email address. Okay. And so the way that they would um, start the process is just fill out the contact form and there's a mm -hmm. question there. That's, that's and, the easiest way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the difference between you and maybe other functional medicine practitioners mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Functional medicine is a tough, it's a tough word. Um, same with integrative, right? So I, I kind of look at both of these when we were talking about what to mm -hmm. even call the business, you know, what, what are we doing? And yes, we're integrative, but so is, you know, having a, a puppy in your office, you know, like, oh, we're an integrative practice. We have a therapy <laughs> dog, you know, cool. Yes. That's great. Um, yes. So integrative can mean anything, right? And functional yeah. can, it's, a, it's not that it can mean anything. It's just that there are so many different ways to be trained as a functional provider that you can be a functional chiropractor. You can be a, mm -hmm. a functional, you know, a functional anything. And what I, what I worry about with that is if you say, I'm going to go see a functional doctor and it's a chiropractor and I have nothing against chiropractic, mm -hmm. but if what you need is a pharmaceutical or hormone replacement or whatever right. that they don't have access to, right. you're not, you're not going to get it because if mm -hmm. they have a hammer, every patient that walks in the door is going to look like a nail, right? They're selling yep. you a service. So yep. what I look at us and say, look, we are a physician led service that has access to the full spectrum of, you know, of controlled substances, hormone replacement, pharmaceuticals, peptides, uh, you know, was, uh, wholesale supplements. Um, and we also do the lifestyle piece with coaching with registered dietitians. Mm -hmm. um, we can, we can do anything mm -hmm. and we focus on certain things, but we can do anything. And I think that's what you really need to look for, whether it's us or with somebody else, that's really mm -hmm. what you need to look for because mm -hmm. otherwise you kind of get stuck in whatever that person has at it, you know, in their tool belt. And um, I see it all the time, especially in the bone health world is that people will come in and they say, well, I'm on, you know, I'm on this, this topical progesterone um, and estrogen cream. And it's, it's a super low over the counter dose. And they think that they're getting enough and they're just not because nobody's testing it. And there's, there's mm -hmm. no way you can get enough through that kind of cream. And, and they think, well, you know, I'm saving my bones with this estrogen. Well, no, you're not, but you mm -hmm. went to a chiropractor that couldn't prescribe bioidentical hormones. Right. So that's what you're going to get. Right. And so again, it's just like, look, look for somebody that can do anything 
mm-hmm. but that you mm-hmm. have to then agree with what their approach is going to be and, and then all that em- empowered and education piece that we talked about. Yeah. And from the flip side of that, um, just another thing to consider is, is I hear this all the time. I, I don't want to have to go through this again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to go through all the testing and the explanation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's exhausting. Absolutely. Right? It's exhausting to, to not feel good. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, have to go through the whole thing and explain and that answer the questions and fill out the form that takes you two hours and, you know, go to the labs and do the testing and reinvest yeah. the money and all of that stuff. So to your point, it's good to really just go to somebody who has that full spectrum right. of capacity. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why I have so many different acronyms, you know, after my name, because <laughs> it's like, I really wanted to make sure that I could provide as many different ways to be able to help somebody. So that when they come to me, we're, we're able to really do as much as we can. We've got a lot in the wheelhouse. Right. And, um, and that's why I also love working with doctors like you, because then we know that the integrity is there. We know that the capacity and the capability of being able to help somebody get to the root cause of that issue, instead of just, you know, trying to make money off of a supplement or, you know, something like that. So Um, I really appreciate what you do. I was so excited when, you know, we were connected because I just thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be such a great conversation. And, and I really hope that our community gets a lot out of it. I know that they will. Um, and I hope that you reach out to Dr. Doug, because, um, I know he's very responsive and, um, you know, such a great resource. He also has an Instagram account, um, where he provides some tips as well. Um, and as usual, please like, and subscribe, send any comments to us. Make sure you write a review if you haven't already on any of the audio platforms. And we appreciate you being here today. And until the next time, lots of peace and love and good health, right? (laughs) Thanks, Sharon. Thank you.